Welcome to our special Memorial Day edition of Main Street Today, where we will talk to two auctioneers, two veterans, get a mental health wellness check, but mostly, we'll remember those who gave all. Recently, we held the Main Street Awards for Clarksville. It was the inaugural virtual event. So many of you listened and so many of you shared. Thank you so much for that. But in that, we announced the top auction and land company and the top auctioneer. And after the show, I got to talk with Shane McCarroll and find out what it's like to be an auctioneer. Hey, well, all right, sir, here we go there. What are they going to give for? I'm at $600 down here now, 10 and now, 25 and now, 35 and now, the 50 and now, 60, will they give me 60 now, 75, 75, another $85 on the bond there. How are you, Shane? Hey, I'm great. Yeah, so I am a what we refer to as a first-generation auctioneer. You know, I'm not born into the business, if you will. And, you know, auctions are traditionally very uh, generational businesses. So that's a little different for me. I'm also a 12-year military veteran in the Marine Corps and the Army. That's how I ended up here in um, Clarksville area because I was stationed with the 101st. So got out of the military after um, an injury and ultimately found myself uh, kind of just in a tough place, you know, transitioning into the civilian world. And once I um, kind of needed to make money is what it came down to. And I started kind of trading, going to different auctions and buying and selling things. And then ultimately found out through my therapist that the auction chant and the auction industry was somewhat therapeutic to me uh, so found a way to make a living doing it. I'm a board of directors for the Tennessee Auctioneers Association. have been doing that for a couple of years. I was the 2019 Tennessee State Champion Auctioneer. Uh, believe it or not there's competitions for that kind of stuff and then got to travel representing the state of Tennessee to the international competition and made the finals a uh, top 15 in the world um, at the International Auctioneer Competition. Wow, what a story. I mean, that's incredible. First of all, thank you for your service. And there is nothing that makes me more proud. I can, I'll never forget the moment that I was watching. This was back when Papa George Bush was president. And there was this news coverage over Iraq. And they said, and there was a, a, a gentleman who was fighting and he said and we were just there and we were sitting ducks and then over the ridge came the 101st and we knew that we'd been saved i can almost not even talk about it without crying because it was so powerful and there came the 101st and we knew that we'd been saved and you guys and what you do as part of that particular division in in particular man thank you Definitely the greatest honor um, that, I've, that I've ever had was being a part of the military. And like I said, I was in the Marines for nine years in the Army um, for just over three. And the remarkable thing about the auction industry is the reason I have excelled um, to the level that I'm at now and the reason that I love the auction industry so much is it's very service related. Uh, it's very similar to what I did in the military. We take care of people. Um, from the beginning to the end of some of the most difficult times of their life. Um, you know, would it be, you know, losing a loved one and or numerous different things that, you know, 
that we help in, but that's what I love about the auction industry. And a, a lot of people, the auction industry is always kind of referred to as for um, the dead, divorced, or desperate. Um, for years, that's the way people referred to it. And now it's revolutionized. It's mm -hmm. for the greatest assets in the world. The most valuable assets in the world are sold at auction, um, including real estate. I'm a, I'm a real estate um, affiliate real estate broker. We sell real estate at auction. I sell classic cars at auction. I get to sell Rolexes. And then sometimes we're, you know, doing an estate liquidation for people. It's really exciting. It is exciting, especially when families live in all parts of the world and a loved one dies and then there's this estate. And an auction that takes place in that situation where someone walks in and emotionally, when emotions are really high for the whole family and when they all have jobs other places, the auction company can come in and really it becomes a miraculous thing. What a gift. What, what, what we like to say is, you know, calling bids and talking fast is what we're known for, but it's really only about 10% of what we do. Most of the successful auctioneers and the professional auctioneers, we really drop our anchor in the consulting portion of it. And what I mean by that is the scenario that you talked about when you have a family who has lost a loved one and possibly there are heirs scattered about the United States. Typically in a situation like that, there's one person that's in charge, you know, the executor or the executrix. But most of those people want the rest of the family to be involved in the decision making. And, you know, we sit down and we can offer an ability to market their assets in an accelerated process that ultimately achieves true market value for that day because everybody wants to know, well, what's my XYZ worth? Well, the truth is, is that if you market it to the largest crowd that you can and you make those people compete, which is why the auction industry is the second oldest industry in the country, because that competitive nature is what drives market value, which is why the industry, specifically the car industry, is driven by wholesale auctions. The cattle industry is, is wow, is that in the news nowadays, but that's driven by auction market prices. So, you know, when you get into an estate situation, it's really about loving and caring on those people and wanting the best for them and helping them through that transaction. Well, it's the, it, the competitive nature takes over for people like you and I, because that's what we enjoy about the auction. But when you talk about the emotion, that's where the professional comes in. There are so many things that have an emotional value to people and, and it's important for for folks going through this time because i, I want to say this quickly because someone's going to be listening at some point and, and going to be given the honor and the the huge responsibility of handling somebody's estate throughout their lifetime and it is truly an honor Devin. but honestly it is also mm -hmm. somewhat of a burden because you feel so much responsibility to make sure you do exactly what the lady or gentleman that issued you that responsibility wanted you to do and you never know how much something's worth and people are always saying well she was my friend or he was my friend and he would have wanted me to have that and have this and families are, are very diverse as you know and you can look through any of our families and probably go oh my we've got one of those so what we do is we come in and say if the family wants to keep something that's what we want you know, ultimately, I love to hear stories because I'm, I'm 40 this year. So I've kind of an old soul. I love antiques and I love history and lineage. But guess what? A lot of people my age don't. They don't care about any of that stuff. So what's so important to me is always say it's your things. It belongs to you. If you want me to market it for you, I will. But ultimately, I love to hear that a 32-year-old nephew really wants to keep grandma's etage because, you know, most folks my age are buying, mm. buying things out of boxes now. 
And I hate to see that. Now, let's talk about the connection between military service and auctioneering. And you said that you excelled because you realized it was almost like therapeutic for you. Yeah, I think that's such a great question. It's so important to to my story and really the only reason I want to kind of get on a platform to talk to folks because my military career ended abruptly. I wasn't planning on it. You know, at 12 or almost 13 years, I was I was going to be a career military man. It's really all I knew as an adult. And, and I joined the military, uh, born and raised in Texas, joined the military when I was 18. So when I found my military career was over, um, and, and it's hard to talk about, but it's important for people to know, I was in a tough spot. You know, the military uh, teaches mm-hmm. you, you know, to have a purpose and you're serving and you have a greater purpose. I went into a situation where I was going to be getting a check, you know, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't fulfilling a purpose. So what I did is I went out and uh, after my wife basically saying, hey, we have to get you out of bed and get you doing something because there's a lot of veterans out there and hey, let's, let's face it. It's a it's an epidemic, you know. Twenty two uh, veterans a day right now are are taking their own lives, and it's mm. it's a travesty. So I found myself in a situation to where I didn't feel like I had a purpose anymore. I also found myself spending a lot of time at auctions because what I would do, Devin, is I would go and buy things at auction, and I would remarket them and sell them on whatever marketplace I could find, and and it was any asset, anything from cars to to firearms, to collectible coins, to furniture. And she said, Shane, you're spending a lot of time at these auctions and sometimes you're not buying anything. And and she said, I'm just curious why. Well, I've been diagnosed with severe post-traumatic stress disorder for an extended period of time now. And, and I was talking to my therapist about it. And, and I explained it to him. I said, it's kind of become a little friction in my relationship because I'm spending a lot of time at these auctions. Is there an explanation behind it? And it was like a light bulb went off over his head. And he said, yes, the cadence of the auction chant and the cadence of the military uh, chant and the unexpected turns that an auction takes, the competition is very similar to a military lifestyle. It's therapy for you. And oh my word, I can't believe we've just now come to this revolution in this uh, therapy session. So I'll tell you what I did. I applied to auction school and I went to an auction school right outside of Nashville in Tullahoma and I became a licensed auctioneer. And over the last seven years, I have been able to share that story with a lot of other military folks and kind of drag them along with me, unwillingly, some of them, for them to realize that the auction industry is very similar to the military because every single day is something different. I can't tell you how many clients I sit down with. I say, I can't believe I've never heard this scenario before. Everything is different. The asset classes are different. And and it's like a start to finish. I get to plan the process from the beginning to the end. I get to see it through. And then there's gratitude and success at the end when you get to settle this situation for these people. And it's very rewarding for me. And it's therapeutic. Thank you for sharing that and being so vulnerable as to share that. Silence is never the way to fight PTSD, but it's hard. And, And it's so easy to isolate. God bless your wife who said, get out of bed. Then the therapist, how remarkable to find a therapist who saw the connection. Sure. Well, it it was not only a blessing for me and my family during that time, but I have made it a point now to do the same for others, right? So I've been relatively successful in a short period of time, but you know, my personality is which that I reach out to people and I always want to have someone above me leading me and mentoring me. And I always want to have someone below me kind of carrying them along 
because that's the way I am. Like I was a leader for a long time in two branches of service. So the auction industry is just like that. And it's so important to get that message out there because we're not just selling an asset anymore. We're telling a story. You know, we sell multi-million dollar farms at absolute auction, which means there's not even a minimum. You know, we go in there and we sell it for whatever that brings that day. And it always, always brings fair market value because you market it, but you have to care about what you're doing. And I think that's the connection for me. I care so much about helping people and making sure that they're treated right during a pivotal time of their life. But we're not salespeople. We market and we bring your asset to market in an exciting, competitive, fast, fun, and transparent way. And it's revolutionary when people see it in action like you have, and they're like, dang, this really works. The new normal is affecting the auction industry. Are people able to go to auctions now? Are you able to do it? Or is everything moving online? And you know, it's funny that you've mentioned that because before this COVID-19 scenario, you know, for the last five years, I have been somewhat of transitioning to what we call in the auction business is a simulcast. Uh, and what that means is that you can sit at home in your PJs in front of the computer and bid while I'm on property or on site somewhere selling to live people as well, right? So it's, it's, a, it's a simulcast, it's a hybrid of two. There's also online only auctions, which I've been doing for a while. And all of that has kind of been um, another tool in our toolbox as professionals that we could use. But guess what? Two months ago almost, gosh, it's been that long, we are forced to start using that now. There are still pieces of real estate that, that have to be sold. There are still assets that have to be sold. And in our company and me personally and Philip Trailer Auctions and Land, which is who I work for, you know, we have the ability to offer that. And when I say offer that, you know, we're selling some estates right now online only. You know, eBay's been around since the 90s. We all know that. And there's a significant difference between what I do and what eBay does. But it's good for the public to know that there are other options. But your question is dead on. Is it affecting it? Absolutely. You know, some of the largest wholesale car auctions in Nashville have furloughed 25,000 people. And there are auctioneers and auction day staff out of business all over the world because what is an auction? It's a social gathering. You know, when auctions got started, and I don't know if you know this, but the history of auctions started after the war, they would commission officers to sell the military surplus, you know, at the turn of the century. And that's the way auctions got started. They were social gatherings to liquidate items. So it's a social experience. Well, has it affected us? Absolutely. But we're, we're so professional and we're able to pivot that we've had tools in our toolbox that now allows us to still serve our clients. Uh, kind of like I was listening to the gentleman you were interviewing maybe on your second or third episode at the Ford dealership where he, he talked so eloquently about um, his ability to still, so, still service his client. And that's what we're doing as well. Is it as fun? Honestly, no, Devin, it's not. I don't get to run my mouth really loud and, and make jokes and entertain people, but there's a spot for it. And, and it still works. You really enlightened me on some of the, the things about auctions I didn't know. Yeah, so I'm blessed to hang my real estate and auctioneer license with a gentleman here in Montgomery County, and you'll recognize the name because he was nominated in the scenario to where it was the best of Clarksville um, for Main Street Media today. But Philip Trailer Auctions and Land, um, that's where I work, and you can find us at ptauctionteam.com. 
Uh, I'm sure that'll be all over the notes of this, but you know, we have a, a huge, we're a turnkey auction business. And what I mean by that is from the beginning to the end, we can handle it regardless if it's real estate, Rolexes, um, you know, firearms, whatever that is. And, and, and it's really a blessing for me to get to work with Philip because he's a staple in this community. He's lived here his entire life. He's been in the auction business for 25 years and he's really given me a platform to serve a community because as you know, auctions are a social business and typically consumers look for people that have been in the community for a long time and have a name and you know, being a military man that I didn't have that presence here. So I've teamed up with him. We do some great things for folks and I think it's important for you to know that not every scenario is an auction scenario. So if you're talking to a professional, make sure um, you know, that they, they will give you your other options. But the answer to your question is Philip Trailer Auctions and Land. I've got a social media presence um, as well. Shane McCarroll on Facebook, uh, on Instagram, behind the gavel, tons of places. Uh, and, and if you look hard enough, you can find me and I'd love to help anybody. And if it's just talking, you know, military folks that are looking to transition into anything, I want to be here for people. And I think you've got a great platform. What you guys are doing at Main Street Media is amazing. And I appreciate you taking the time with us for sure. I'm so lady in the second row. She's a mate, she's a nine, she's a ten, I know. she got ruby red lips, blonde hair, blue eyes. And I'm about to bid my heart goodbye. Leroy Van Dyke only wrote one song in his whole life, a very successful song, a short song, a fast song, a very hard song to deliver. It was the song that started this piece, the auctioneer song, and he too found the connection between a military cadence and an auctioneer's cadence. I've, uh, I've never done it full time for a living, but I've sold everything from buffalo to bulldozer and real estate to rabbits, really, <laughs> literally. And uh, it's been a it's, a it's a good trip. So you went to auctioneer school, mm -hmm. and then that song just came down. That's the one song yeah. you wrote. I went to auction school right after my junior years of college, and and then finished college and went to the army. And while I was in Korea, riding up and down the road in those jeeps, it just started coming to me out of the air. I don't know where it came from. I'd never written a song. I haven't written one since. But pretty started, good first try. Finally, I decided <laughs> I better write it down. It was coming to me, and so that's where it came from. It's a, it's a true story about a cousin of mine who was arguably the best purebred livestock auctioneer that ever walked. His name was Ray Sims, and uh, he was a second cousin, and that's where, the, that's where the idea came from. There's a real gift to that the ability to talk that fast and to there's a rhythm it's mm -hmm. almost like singing well there's several elements uh, one you've mentioned a voice you can't you can't control your voice you're born with it and and if you're born a tenor you're a tenor if you're born a bass you're a bass and you can't change that so that has something to do with what you use to create an auctioneer and then you have to have a sense of rhythm like a mm -hmm. singer can't, a singer can't perform if you don't have rhythm. If you can't count, and know mm -hmm. when to come in, when to sing, and when to be quiet. Yeah. Then you can't do it. So, those things are also true in the in the auction business. You have to have a voice to start with. You have to learn the technique of putting it together with the filler words and all that stuff.
What's the oddest thing you ever had to auction off? You don't want to know. Here we come a lot number 29 in. What are they going to give for him? I'm a 25, I'll get 35, another 50, make a 50, bit of wrong, 50, now, 60, we'll lick him a 60, now, 75, now, 85, now, 95, 100, now, 25, now, 50, 75, now, 2, now, 3, now, 4, now, 5, now, 6, now, 7, now, 8, Leroy Van Dyke will be 90 years old on his next birthday. He still tours, he still farms, and he credits not drinking and keeping a healthy lifestyle for his longevity. Check out the news about Leroy Van Dyke at LeroyVanDyke.com. We're continuing our special edition of Main Street today for Memorial Day with a conversation with Mark Elliott. We know Mark Elliott as a singer, a songwriter, a performer, an author. But did you know that he's also a mental health specialist for Vanderbilt Behavioral Health for over 20 years now? Mark Elliott has some great tips. We're coming out of a quarantine, but it is also Memorial Day. We were talking with Shane McCarroll about soldiers and about people returning home and the importance of good mental health checks. We wanted to talk with Mark about some of the self-checks, not only for military, but for all of us. Hey, Devin. Our thoughts are with the families of those who have served and given the ultimate sacrifice. These are tough times, and we all have to take care of one another, take care of ourselves. So here are my three mental health check-ins. Number one, know your personal early warning signs of trouble. Some examples. Are you isolating beyond what is understood for quarantine and COVID-19 times? Are you sleeping a lot, not feeling rested, not sleeping much at all? Are you more irritable in your interactions with others? Are you more negative, cynical, or pessimistic to the degree that it is affecting your day-to-day function? Do your particular passions still bring you the amount of pleasure and satisfaction you're used to or need? Did you answer no to any of these questions? Time to use some coping skills. Number two, understand coping skills and how to use them. Use them early. Coping skills are like brakes on a car. If you're heading 100 miles per hour toward a cliff and you don't apply them until you're a foot from the edge, it doesn't matter how good your brakes are or how many of them you have, you're going over the cliff. Remember that coping skills are supposed to be simple and maybe even borderline dumb. You don't need anything complicated to do when you're already struggling. Coping skills don't fix problems. They keep you from creating new ones. Make sure that you have enough coping skills to cover you no matter where you are or what time it is. Time and place can nullify specific skills. Ten coping skills won't do it. A hundred might. And it might be time to add a few COVID-19 coping skills, too. Number three, talk to yourself like a good mother would. What we say to ourselves, the messages we send, the words and tone we use are far more potent than any negativity thrown at us from outside. We tend to invest in negative thoughts when we are hurting. We do that to lower the bar of expectation. We believe that it's hard to fail ourselves or to get disappointed once the bar of expectation is lying on the ground. But here's the snag. It is doubly hard to live a fulfilling life with the bar on the ground. Even in the face of possible failure, pick up the bar. Daily affirmations are helpful for some. Put them on your mirror, especially now that we're all at home more than usual, on the door to the fridge. For others, affirmations can feel awkward. To those people, I say, be mindful of the words, descriptions, and tone you use while talking to yourself. 
Self-talk and the personal narrative that forms on its heels is more powerful than we think. But the solution is often more straightforward than we think, too. Perspective is everything. Plainly put, talk to yourself as a good mother would. Talk to Yourself Like a Good Mother Would is from the new EP from Mark Elliott. Out soon. Currently, his new single, Craziest Thing, is out. And you can hear it on Spotify or wherever you buy or stream music. Click like when you're there. Share. That's the way we do it around here. MarkElliottCreative.com is his website. Thank you so much for listening and for sharing this special Memorial Day edition of Main Street today. I'm Devin O'Day, and we are so grateful to be Americans and grateful beyond what any words could express for those that paid the ultimate price. Thank you to our guests, veteran and auctioneer Shane McCarroll, Leroy Van Dyke, also a veteran and also an auctioneer, Mark Elliott with our mental wellness check, and music from Mark, Leroy, John Michael Montgomery, Alvarado Roadshow, Trace Atkins, and the United States Air Force Band. All music in its entirety is available wherever music can be bought or sold. Share our shows and send us an email through the information page where you listen to this podcast. This is a production of MainStreetMediaTN.com. We can rest in peace. We are the chosen ones We made it to Arlington 
Yeah, dust to dust Don't cry for us We made it to Arlington Sometime back, I received, in the name of our country, the bodies of four Marines who had died while on active duty. I said then that there is a special sadness that accompanies the death of a serviceman, for we're never quite good enough to them. Not really, we can't be, because what they gave us is beyond our powers to repay. And so when a serviceman dies, it's a tear in the fabric, a break in the hole, and all we can do is remember. It is, in a way, an odd thing to honor those who died in defense of our country, in defense of us, in wars far away. The imagination plays a trick. We see these soldiers in our mind as old and wise. We see them as something like the founding fathers, grave and gray-haired. But most of them were boys when they died, and they gave up two lives, the one they were living and the one they would have lived. When they died, they gave up their chance to be husbands and fathers and grandfathers. They gave up their chance to be revered old men. They gave up everything for our country, for us. We owe them a debt we can never repay. All we can do is remember them and what they did and why they had to be brave for us. <laughs> 